When we're living in community, there is one virtue that is critical, and that is the whole area of compassion. You know, for all of us, we go through the good, bad, and ugly in life, and what we want more than anything is for people to feel with us that uh, when we're communicating, we have a sense they understand. And so today, we are talking about compassion. Hi, this is Eric Hurd, and my podcast is called Relationships by the Book. So why that title? Well, I lived 18 years of my life apart from God, apart from His Word, and my family was one of the most dysfunctional families to grow up in, and we didn't understand relationships. And when I came to know Christ, it absolutely transformed me from the inside out. And I began to understand God's wisdom because I dug into His Word and I saw how much He had to say about relationships. I've been a pastor now for over 45 years and so this podcast is really an accumulation of the wisdom God's given me in relationships that I want to share with you. All right, Eric, welcome to The Office. Oh my gosh, Michael, we are now on location. We're not just... You know, in your home, we're now in your office. And you know, sometimes when you're in a new location, new thoughts come to you, new new energy. So I'm really glad to be in your office. <laughs> Thank you for coming over. Now, I had no idea what we were going to be talking about today. I know we're on the, uh, the series of one another. Yeah. And uh, so compassion. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, this whole series we're doing on reciprocal living really comes out of the scriptures. As we said, there's 36 reciprocal concepts, you know, in, in the Bible, you know, be kind to one another, be, be uh, prayerful toward one another, confess your sins to one another. It's all the one another things, mm -hmm. but it's how you have healthy community. So we started this series and uh, last week we, we talked about the whole area of kindness and it's from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. It says, so be kind toward one another and then it says compassionate and, and I will tell you whether it's living in family or marriage uh, or in a work sit setting or just in a church or neighborhood. We really do want people to feel with us, to understand what we're going through. Hmm. So that I was going to ask, why is it important for us to discuss the topic of compassion? But, you, <laughs> you know, you kind of just answered that, but please elaborate. Oh, gosh, yes. And, and again, there is a, you know, if you ask the uh, age-old question, do you want to talk or do you want to be uh, a listener? Most people want to talk about themselves. Right. Because there's so little uh, connection, you know. It's it's you know we're we're called in in this era the information age, right? Well, there's so much dang information, but who's listening? Mm. And 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 so all of us want to have a sense of connectivity, you know. Because um, I don't know if you've ever. I remember when I was younger, I could be in huge crowds at school, neighborhood, whatever, and feel incredibly lonely. Loneliness is cured by compassion. Mm, really? And yeah. Because, um, you know, I, the nature of my work as a pastor, what do people expect from me? That when they come into my office or I'm meeting them, that I am going to attend to them. I'm not just looking at them, but I'm resonating with them. 
And so I'll, I'll, I'll nod my head. I'll go, that must have been incredibly difficult. Or, wow, that must have been exhilarating. And so, so when I'm with them, there's a sense that I'm listening, I'm attending, and I'm there. You know, it's, it's, uh, you've heard me say this before, Michael, and that is uh, the number one complaint wives have about their husbands is my husband doesn't listen. Yeah, but, but there's another way of saying it. He doesn't understand. Mm. See, I can listen to words, but do I feel? See, and, and, and so many times we could be just nodding our heads, but we're not even pay, paying attention, right. you know. And, and, uh, and, and again, as a pastor, it's what people expect. But I will tell you, it doesn't come natural. That's why we're talking about this today. Mm. What is compassion? It's an interesting Greek word, and it's not an attractive word. It's splankna. <laughs> Literally, it means from the bowels that I feel with somebody. Like, uh, give you a biblical illustration. When Job lost everything, he lost all his wealth, he lost his children, his, his, his daughter-in-laws, his grandkids. He lost everything but a nagging wife. And But here was the interesting thing. He ripped off his clothes he was in sackcloth and ashes, and he was just mumbling. He was, he was grieving. Here was what was cool. His friends tore their clothes. They put ashes, which is a, it's a, it's a visual manifestation of grieving. Mm -hmm. And it literally says in, in, in Job 1 that they sat down, and for a week they said nothing. Oh, so there's no talking. No. See, that's, that's Blanca. That's somebody feeling with you. Mm. They're entering into your space and your time, and they, they have a sense of what you've gone through. You know, like, like, you know, you think of all the kinds of things we experience in life. And, and by the way, uh, compassion or Splankna is not just in suffering. Like in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, there's this beautiful passage, verses 9 through 18, that really is, it's the Magna Carta of, of biblical community. Well, within the framework of those passages or those verses, it says, um, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Right. That's Splankna. Mm. So I can, you know, like, like uh, when you make a deal, like you just had a pretty big deal recently, didn't you? Yeah, we closed on a big one. Yeah. And you're, are you looking for any more deals? Yes, I, you can call me at. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, we can turn this into an infomercial. But you, when, when, when you've got those deals. Yeah, we celebrate. Yeah, you don't just hold it to yourself going, well, I, I got a good deal. and I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah. yeah, so we celebrate. Totally. That's Splunkna. You know, uh, I have a treatment center. And there's, there's men and women going through incredible difficulty. And with liftoff, one of the things we want to make sure is that we're hearing them out, mm -hmm. that we understand what drove them to the addiction, the pain that they have felt in the addiction, the sense of hopelessness not getting out of the addiction. So it's Splankna. But, but again, when you, when you go through life's experiences, you want people to feel it. Right. And that, how's this one? So, you know... I can say this now, but my wife is pregnant. Ooh, big you announcement. You didn't tell me. <laughs> no, you and, did. Um, uh, you know, we, and I should correct myself because of the way I just said it, my wife is pregnant. But what I've learned, this is our third time having, actually, it's our, we've had more than three pregnancies, but yeah. um, long story short is I say we're pregnant. 
That's it. In other words, we're in this together. Right. So it is I've, that this topic is so critical in marriage. Yeah. I, I mean, I try to do this in other areas of my life, but I think it's, I make it such a huge priority in my marriage. Yeah. And when I do, it's so effective. We, our marriage thrives when, if I'm sick, or if, I'm sorry, if Crystal feels sick and I feel it with her, yeah. we thrive through it, right? Yeah. If she has a win, we celebrate together. We, I mean... I want to do these things. I don't always do it, but it is so critical in marriage, right? Oh, come on. And, and you know that uh, I have this, uh, well, it's, I wish it was original to me, but um, in marriage, there's four key things that, that are indicators of a marriage that's unraveling. Okay. And I call them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The horsemen. Yeah, the horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> apocalypse means destruction. Right. Well, one of them is a lack of empathy. You know, like when I'll meet with a, a couple that's uh, that's marriage is unraveling, literally I'll look at both of them. They're usually not sitting close to each other. Uh, usually the woman will show more emotion, typically. And she might be crying, and I have a box of tissue on the table, and I'll keep glancing over at the guy. He won't even move the box towards her. He won't get a tissue, and she's weeping. And I go, there is no empathy here. He's so stuck in his own pain. He's so stuck in his resentment and bitterness, he can't even move a tissue box to her. So if you see him grab the tissue box, hand her a tissue, you know, okay, we're, we're, we're on track. We're in a better place. We're going towards oh, something good. Oh, yeah, it'll give me a little bit of hope because there's still some empathy. Mm-hmm. And, and, but usually in, a, in really difficult relationships. You know, like I grew up in a family where there was no empathy. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, uh, there was abuse, and when I would be abused, none of the siblings, nor nor you know my mother, would say anything. Comfort, Everybody yeah. was quiet, and uh, and so you know again one of the most damnable emotions people feel is loneliness. You know because ultimately, and again if you've ever had suicidal thoughts, why has suicide become an option? It's because. If I died, nobody would care because mm. they didn't care while I was alive. Why would they care if I was in my death? And, and it's a horrible place to be. And I was there once, and I never want to go there again. So one of the passions of my life that I've given myself to is relationship, is community. Because in that community, you know, I have some very, very good friends. And... Uh, and compassion is something that I receive on a consistent basis. Mm. So, what are the other four horsemen? Oh, the horsemen! Of the Don't leave us hanging. Usually, in a in a, uh, a, a bad marriage, one of the first things to go is intimacy, mm. because women have a lot more integrity about this. Like a man can have a just an explosion, a battle with his wife, and go, "Oh, you want to have sex?" <laughs> we just are detached from our emotions, and uh, but a woman. Uh, she does not want to be intimate with a man who is coercive, abusive, or anything like that. So there, there's lack of in, intimacy, lack of empathy. Which we just talked about. Exactly. There's no spiritual um, um, resource. Usually they've walked away from God. They're not praying together or for each other. Like it's really interesting. In, in James chapter 5 it says, So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. Think about that. So if I confess to my wife and I, and I pray for my wife, 
I'm going to be healed. Yes. It, it's, it's really hard to it's pray. It's a great for. formula. It, it really, it's a biblical, it's, it's God's directive. But, you know, when I'm dealing with a bad marriage, typically there's no spiritual well, if you will, from which to draw from. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one of the other areas is arrogance or pride. Who's willing to admit I'm a big part of this problem? See, I, I've, I've never had a couple come in where one of them pronounced, you know, the problem's me. They'll always tell me about the other person. So those four areas, we had intimacy, yep. empathy, mm-hmm. faith, and it sounded like the last one really was a lack of vulnerability. Yeah, right? humility. So if we work on those four areas, we should have a pretty healthy marriage. Oh, I've, I've told couples, <laughs> if you'll humble yourself, I've never seen a marriage not turn around. Right. Like, like, babe, we got to figure this out, and I'm going to stop blaming you. Let's figure this out. Oh my gosh, that's a that's a revolutionary thing. Mm. Yeah, cool. So, I love so that going back tool. to this thing of, of empathy, empathy is just one of those signals that that the marriage is is not good, and because, you know, you think about marriage, it's 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 integration at every primary level. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's familial. It's relational. It's financial, and and, and and here's the thing, if you're integrating and you can't be empathetic, then it's just a blah, blah, blah. It's just a lot of information. I know about somebody, but I don't really know them. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Jesus gave a warning for religious people. Like I love people that say, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I, I, I'm not, you know, I don't do organized religion. And I always just go, I just shake my head. Then you're not really following Jesus because Jesus said, you know, many at the end of the age will call me Lord, Lord. In other words, you're using a name. You, you know that I'm Jesus. I'm the master. I'm the creator. He says, but I never knew you. Right. And the word knew is, is at an intimate level. Right. And, and so whether it's our faith, you know, Christianity is an intimate faith. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and then he says, now do that in community. I want you to splontna people. I want you to be empathetic or compassionate. Splontna. Yeah. I, I just Still love getting saying familiar that. familiar with that word. Yeah, splontna. <laughs> but, but again, splontna, compassion, drives incredible efforts. Like um, when somebody's grieving, splontna moves a person to say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Mm. Splontna would, would cause somebody to, to walk, burst into office. I heard you got a promotion. Man, good job. You know, Splontna, when, when you see a need in culture, you step into it. See? And, and, and you know, you look at uh, people that are fighting sex trafficking. Splontna gets them there if they're effective. It's they feel such compassion for these kids that are being trafficked. You know, Splunkna would, would cause people to work, you know, in an in a, a adoption agency because they believe that, that life begins yeah. at, at, at conception. It drives their convictions. Yeah. So it, some of the greatest movements, some of the greatest ministries were born out of compassion. Right. Like there's, there's a, a ministry that is actually called Compassion International that helps you know, support kids all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal organization. Well, how did it come about? Why did they name it what they did? Because it's what drives the effort. 
I mean, you, you think about your own life, you know, and uh, what have been some of the things that you've done that came because you felt compassion? Right. You know, for me, what I find myself doing is I, inviting people. In. I've been privileged from a young age to do so many fun things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Surfing, wakeboarding, mountain biking, traveling. And I can sometimes sense in a conversation where I'm telling somebody about, oh, yeah, it was so great. We went here or there. And then I'll notice that, you know, they, they want that. And so I, I love to invite people into, hey, have you ever tried surfing? Let's go. Have you ever ridden a mountain bike? Let's go. And um, it's formed some of the best friendships in my life. It's created great memories. It's a, I would love to do more. Yes. But um, yeah, just inviting people into things that I'm doing. Yeah. I think. I met with a friend just recently that you had a, a huge heart for. And you said, hey, would you be willing to have lunch with them? I said, absolutely. So you invited me into right. it, but it was it was born out of compassion right. that his life just isn't working right now. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. So so we get invited into these opportunities. And the, you know, the question, and, and I think we need to address this, is what inhibits compassion? And I'll tell you a huge thing for me because compassion doesn't really come natural to me. Right. And, and in fact, it's very interesting in the in the whole Christian realm. Uh, there are spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit uh, that, that some people call them divine enablements. Now we should all be compassionate toward one another, but God has taken um, this virtue and He's energized it. That's to me spiritual. It's the Holy Spirit has given me a gift of mercy. Mm. When I'm with somebody who uh, is sharing with me, I enter into their conversation. I I am so with them, and that doesn't come natural. And and so I want to talk a little bit about what inhibits compassion. And I think, um, you know, I, I looked at what inhibited me. I was never comforted by my mom. She was she was an alcoholic. And I, in no way am I dishonoring her. I mean, she sacrificed. Um, I mean, she was an incredible cook, sewed, took care of the house. Um, she loved me to the degree she could, but I never felt her heart. Uh, when I, I would cry or be hurting and stuff, she didn't know how to deal with me. Mm. Or when my, her husband, my stepdad, would abuse me, she didn't respond. She didn't protect me. And so there was a lack of empathy. Mm. So empathy is something that is learned, and it's usually through your mother. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can come through your dad. <clears throat> and so I think from the starting point, if you grew up in an unhealthy, dysfunctional family, that's a huge in- inhibitor to compassion because you don't know how to feel. Okay. Yeah, because I look at getting into my marriage. I was not uh, empathetic with Debbie, and, uh, and it, it really hurt our marriage. I mean, she'd be, she'd be frustrated or hurt, and I couldn't, I couldn't feel what she was feeling and, and didn't respond pro- properly. So I think the one thing is we don't get nurtured. So early. from an from early age. Yeah. And then I, I think we cave to uh, pride and arrogance. It, we're, we're so in our own heads and have our own agenda. In order to be empathetic, you've got to get outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And some of us are totally in our own heads. Oh, yeah. Our agenda. I'm so guilty of that. Oh, aren't we all? I'm <laughs> so guilty. But of we're that. talking about those inhibitors, right? I, 
you know, you think of other inhibitors, indifference. I'll, I'll you know, I'll see somebody hurting or somebody struggling or, or somebody in need, and I, it's, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember all the different people that walked by the guy that had been beaten? Mm-hmm. And they, they thought in their heads, I, I've got too many things to do. Mm-hmm. And there was total indifference to this Samaritan's suffering mm-hmm. or, or to this, this uh, Jewish fellow's suffering. Yeah. But the Samaritan, who was a despised person, the least expected to help the guy, he stepped up. Yep. So, so you know, again, lack of, of, of good nurturing early on, uh, uh, the thing of, of selfishness, the thing of, uh, of, you know, indifference. But there's other things that inhibit compassion, which is like, say I see somebody in financial need. You know, I, I want to help them, but I'm in debt. So if I'm indebted, a lot of times that, that inhibits I'm me. I'm not in position to do it. Right. Uh, or I'm so busy, and, and Michael, I was so guilty of this early on in my pastorate, is that I just didn't have time because I, I blocked my time in hours from 9 to 10. 10 yeah, to 11, we talked 11. about this before. Yeah. And, and, and so when you think about time, treasure, and your talents, you don't put yourself in a position you could help. Mm. So that inhibits compassion. But, but, you know, when you, when you look at it, there's so many great stories of people who have stepped up in compassion. I think in my own life or times that I have, and, and I look, and those stories of compassion are just amazing. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yep. And, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I think of that uh, boy, I told you the story, my good friend uh, has a, a son who... Um, with his neighbor, the neighbor had lost his wife and he was devastated and depressed. And this guy's son, young nine-year-old, put a, a letter in his mailbox. And then day after day, he would put that letter in that mailbox. And the neighbor later told my friend, um, I don't think I'd be alive for, apart from those notes. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. Here's a little boy, nine years old. That knows compassion. That understands compassion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is, is compassion needed? Well, God yeah. seems to think it is. <laughs> it, it's, like, like, it's like encouragement. I've never met a person that, was, that said, hey, stop giving me encouragement. I get too much. Right. In the same way, I think, with compassion. You know, and uh, uh, I, I, I was thinking about an illustration of Jesus. He's, he's always good to look at. Yeah. Yeah, if, of who you want to be. Uh, but remember when he lost his friend Lazarus and uh, uh, his sisters were angry at him because they had called for him to help. His, Lazarus was sick. Jesus delayed. His, his, his friend Lazarus died. Both Mary and Martha confronted him. Where were you if you had been here? Our brother would not have died. But on the way to the grave, it says that Jesus was angry, which he was angry that his friend died. Sickness and death was never God's will. Mm -hmm. Never, never, never. Then it says Jesus wept. It's It's the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's one of the most profound. Think about it. Jesus created all things. He is majestic. He's, he's outside of humanity, yet he came and became humanity. And here is Jesus, creator of all the heavens and the earth, controller. He holds it all together, Colossians tells us. 
two, two words. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. That's compassion. He was weeping for those who felt the loss of Lazarus. He was weeping for his friend Lazarus who died. And, and, and so when you think of compassion, Jesus had it in spades. It's what motivated him to heal the leper, to actually touch the leper, which was in that day unheard of, mm -hmm. to, to heal the blind, to heal the lame, to cast out demons. What drove him? Compassion. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it today. And, and so one of the questions might be, how do you develop compassion? Great question. I'm, that's what I'm curious about. <laughs> yeah, because if, if we need it more. And I think the big thing is, is the recognition of why did God give us his Holy Spirit? You know, in Romans 8, it says, and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead reigns in your mortal body. Now, why would God have to put so much horsepower inside of us? Because our will is so damn strong. Mm. Our natural bent is selfishness. And, and so to become an empathetic person is to draw upon the Holy Spirit that, that reigns inside of me and say, Holy Spirit, would you give me eyes to hear, ears, or ears to hear, eyes to see the needs and the brokenness in, in, in life? and also the celebratory, <clears throat> celebratory things. Right. So help me to see it and then help me to feel with it so that I can truly rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. The world is dying for it. It seems to me like if you do that, it's, right, it's all around us. Oh, oh. Eh, I, it's everywhere we go. It's every person we talk to. Yeah, there's more needs than could ever be met. That's why when Jesus looked out at, at the marketplace one, one day, he was up in the Mount of Olives, and he looked down at people, and he saw people as downcast and distressed, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says, pray to the Lord of harvest that he would say, send workers into the harvest. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm-hmm. And you can apply that to Splunkna or compassion, is pray the Lord of the harvest that, that, that he would bring more workers. Because again, the harvest, the, the need for compassion is there, but the workers are few. Mm. And so I think it starts with recognizing my selfishness, my inability to be compassionate, and then praying, God, help me to be one of those people that really feels with others. Mm -hmm. That's a little why uh, when I make appointments, I try to keep to 45 minutes because I want to get ready, kind of supercharged, ready for the, for the next person. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, I'm just going from meeting to meeting. Yeah. And, and again, compassion doesn't, doesn't come natural. It's really something that the, that the Holy Spirit gives you inside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then you start practicing it. And, and by the way, you need to have an emotional vocabulary. I, I don't know if you've ever thought of that. No, there's a, there's a thing, if, if you Google feeling wheel, there are six primary feelings that we as human beings ha have. And there's about, I think about uh, 18 or 24 secondary, and then there's about 36 tertiary. There are so many feelings that wow. most of us are unaware of. And what you want to do is look at that feeling wheel. And so say uh, you go home to Crystal, and she goes, how was your day? What's so good is when you identify a feeling. Say, man, I was energized today. 
and she'll go energized. Right. Yeah, let me tell you what happened. And then all of a sudden she connects with you. Why? It's out of our feelings that we connect with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, have you ever had a day where you were just um, disillusioned? Where, you know, somebody who said they were going to go with a deal and they just dropped out and went with another broker? Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Outside of work, in work. You go home and Crystal goes, how was your day? And you go, I'm so disillusioned. She goes, what? (laughs) What happened? And then you tell the story and she goes, oh, my gosh, that must have been so hard. Now, as a couple, you're you're intimate. But if, if, if you go home, she goes, hey, Michael. How was your day? And you go, it was fine. Right. It's and just so vanilla. Yes. Just, there's not enough substance behind there. what I've, yeah. To be more articulate in our feelings can spark deeper conversation. Exactly. So next time somebody goes, eh, it's all right. Or it was fine. Go, no, no, no. I'm not letting yeah. you get away with that. What happened today? Yeah. See, draw it out of people but be ready to share it yourself. Because again, in our culture, you know, like uh, um, we, we want to like, when somebody says, hey, how you doing? You want to say, man, killing it. We want to say, oh man, I'm doing great. Yeah. And you could be having the worst day, but we want everybody to think, wow, well, we're successful, we're hitting it. You know, and, uh, and it's so fake. Yeah. But when somebody goes, um, if I told you, would you listen? It's rare for me to have a day where I have enough of a disappointment <clears throat> where I would classify it as a difficult or challenging day because, and I think you and I share this, yep. but I, I think I learned through some challenges I've had in my life or whatever, I, there's always something for me to be grateful for. I'm, I'm grateful just for the air in my lungs. The fact that we happen to be in Southern California, I don't care if where you are here, it's good. Yes. <laughs> right? Um, so I tend to live my life holding on to that truth i'm grateful every day yeah <clears throat> which in result i have a lot of good days but i have to be willing to admit when so it's it's hard for me to admit when i have a bad day but but let me ask you this and this is the challenge i want to put to myself because we are very similar is what if i i took the example of the opening of the tale of two cities where it opens up best of times worst of times See, in other words, in any given day, there's stuff that is challenging and difficult. You know, like like um, I go home now to a mother-in-law who's on hospice. That's not easy. Right. And my heart goes out to her and, and to my wife. And But on the other hand, God, I could be having successes, you know, at work, in ministry, whatever. And so I, I think I could stand to be a little bit more real is, is say, I got to tell you, I'm blessed in this area, but I gotta tell you, I'm really challenged here. Because if you always are up, here's the question. If somebody's down, would they even wanna talk to you? Right, I've, I've struggled with that. That's a tough one for me, because I'm rarely down, but. Okay, so what if you and I worked a little harder of being real? It's not about being honest. So when I'm, I'm talking about, I've, I feel blessed. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing well. Right. Um, that's true, but but real is, but I've got this other stuff, yeah. and uh, because that will make you more open, and people are willing more to share their own stuff. Yeah, I often feel like my complaints are so petty that they're not <laughs> worth saying. Like, you know, it's the weather's gray today. Yes, it's cloudy. Yes. 
it drives me nuts. I can't stand when I can't see. I don't mind a cloudy day if there's you can see the blue skies in between it. A full cloud blanket just I feel paralyzed. So you couldn't live in Seattle. I know. I would die. <laughs> I would die. I would no. I'd move. I and I you know Southern California is supposed to be pretty sunny here, but um, it's really hard for me. But that just seems like okay. That's not a big deal. I'm gonna survive the day. But it's hard for me, and it's, so it like it's stuff like that where I'm like, it's I, there's no need for me to complain about the weather. Okay. Well, and I and I'm gonna apply this. Remember that uh, feeling wheel. So C.S. Lewis, uh, in one of his books, said, uh, "Pain has no measurement." So one thing we do not want to do is is to go, uh, you know, like like somebody um, breaks their leg, you know. You don't want somebody to go, well, at least you can see. Yeah. At least you don't have cancer. You can still, yeah. Yeah. Still get around. Yeah. And so so minimizing your experiences of frustration, disappointment, um, uh, rejection, anger, whatever you're going through, whatever circumstances drove those emotions. By the way, emotions are God's signals inside us. He's the one that gave us emotion. It's what makes us a person. Right. You know, in other words, it's a mind, will, and emotion. Mm. And so the emotions are given to us, and we need to pay attention to them because they're, they're, they're the result of things that happened. Right. So I don't want to minimize if I'm frustrated. If I go, God, I was really disappointed today. You know, I had this situation where I bought this, you know, whatever, and it was broken when I got home. I'm mm. going, what, what is that about? Well, God, that's not a big frustration. Yeah. So, so just like there should be no measurement in pain, there shouldn't be measurements in in our own feelings. Mm-hmm. So the thing of, you know, I was disappointed today. It was overcast. I just don't like overcast. That's not grumbling, complaining. That's just sharing Shit. with somebody you love. Yeah. And th- there's a right time and place to share something like that, right? You oh, know. sure. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, compassion. It's really good to have discernment with compassion yeah yeah that's where that timing comes in absolutely cool. absolutely what a great talk it, you know I, it's an important one because i think all of us could be a little bit more compassionate and feel with people and uh, because people are dying for it amen to be to be known to be loved to be felt mm-hmm. you know and uh there, there's nothing like that and uh, it was interesting when, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit, you know, I think you and Crystal have been through a miscarriage. Deb and I went through several. And uh, it was so good to have other couples who go, gosh, we had a miscarriage, our first pregnancy too. And it was so disappointing. And when somebody's had that experience and then says, man, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. It's like, wow, mm-hmm. they know right. what it feels like. Because you don't get to announce a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And you have the awkward comments. Hey, how's that pregnancy going? Hey, didn't you have a baby? And, and other people who have been through a miscarriage understand it. Yeah. I got to share one last little story. And we're going a little long today. Oh, Michael. This one's a good one, though, because I don't know if he knows that this stuck with me. But your friend John. Yes. We were in Cabo San Lucas. And he, you know basically made that trip possible for us. Yes. And um, we went out to dinner one night. He kind of, everyone's having fun. We're, we're taking pictures before dinner. Beautiful sunset, just quintessential family vacation moment, right? And John kind of pulls me aside. He goes, oh, isn't this great? So beautiful. And he goes, hey, I learned that uh, you lost your mom at a young age. And that's 
that's really terrible. And I was like, oh, yeah, thank you so much. You know, I'd heard that so many times in my life. And he goes, no, I'm serious. He goes, I loved growing up. I would always brag to my mom. And he goes, you know, to hit a home run in the baseball game. And mom, guess what? I hit a home run. Because you don't always want to brag to your buddies or your everybody. But you can always brag to your mom. Yeah. And he goes, and she wants to hear it. And it's, it's a great thing in life to brag to your mom. And he goes, I'm so sorry you didn't get to do that. Ugh. And I had, it was so powerful to me. I get emotional. Yeah. Um, it just, he really had compassion because he recognized the, one of the really valuable you know, components to his relationship with his And mom. the loss that you had. Yeah, it was so cool. I just I think about that all the time. And that is John. Right. Oh, my gosh. I've known him decades. He just feels. Yeah. Good man. I was, it was a little token he gave me. Absolutely. Well, man, I'm glad we talked on this subject. We need more people with more empathy. Better yet, I need to show more empathy. We do. Cool. Well, as always, relationship by the book at outlook.com. Feel free to reach out to us. And um, we uh, look forward to next week. What are we going to be talking about? Well, it's, it's the trifecta in that verse 32. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, Ooh, just as God and Christ. So forgiveness, it's, that's one of the hottest topics because as human beings, oh my goodness, it's so easy to hold resentment. Cool. I look forward to talking about it. Thanks for coming over here. Oh, thank you. Okay. Bye, Michael.